You saw it on Sunday. It was episode 200. This is episode 201. Before we get into probably what a lot of you are going to salivate at, our pain, I <laughs> wouldn't be remiss if we didn't mention this. Last week, it was obviously Mike Leach. Today, it was Franco Harris. It's just a lot of people, I don't think, realize like the newer generation of football fan, how much of a pioneer he was for the game of football. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that entire that entire Steelers run is kind of forgotten about in, you know, throughout the, in modern times, you know, over the years, it's just been like, you know, when, when people talk about uh, dynasties, obviously they may mention the steel curtain and all that, but I don't think the individual players ever get as much individual pop as they should. Um, you think guys like Lynn Swan, obviously Franco Harris and, and, and guys of that sort, um, they kind of just get lost in all of it. Um, especially being an offensive player in, um, <laughs> in a, on a team that is known for their defense. So, you know, yeah, that's tough, uh, especially because they were going to retire his jersey on Sunday. We're, what, um, we're like three days out from that. It's almost Christmas. You know, it was a lot. It, there was going to be a lot of Franco Harris in the news anyway. It just sucks that, you know, it got accelerated the way it did. Yeah, exactly. That's the one big thing, too, where it's like, you know, and also that's one thing I learned, too. The Steelers don't retire a lot of numbers, which is something that'd be surprising. Yeah. But then everyone says if they retired all these numbers, there'd be no more new numbers for people to wear. So absolutely, like absolutely. There's certain numbers they should retire. Like, I feel like 43 and 7 will be in that category very soon. Yeah. And I know it's the same thing with Ben, too. A lot of people like say, oh, but Ben, towards the latter half of his career, he wasn't that good. No, but yeah. in his prime, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league by far. And I know a lot of so. a lot of people, you know, talk about Ben as, like, you know, uh, for the off-the-field stuff. And, sure, he was an absolute creep. Um, but I, I think when talking about, like, football historically, we – have to just take what happened on the field um and there was a stretch there where like ben roethlisberger was one of the best quarterbacks in the league and it was a much longer stretch than i think people give her credit for i know the last uh two and a half years weren't very good but you think back even to what year was that uh 20 2017 he had a he had a really good season he took them to the to the playoffs they played in the, the afc championship that game and that year and uh you know things kind of went the, the way they went but all the same it's you know that was no, I think it was 26, if I'm thinking of. But all the same, that was like a good year. That was a really good year. Um, kind of reminds me of that Aaron Rodgers quote, you know, the one that uh, my uh, my down year, some you know, some quarterbacks, best years, whatever. Um, I think Ben Roethlisberger, while not obviously not that high, um, his like his years where people were like, oh, he's kind of, he was kind of okay um, in the middle there. I mean, some quarterbacks dream of that. He had, a, I think he had the misfortune of playing in an era with, you know, obviously Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Um, and so he's compared to those kind of players, and he was like a notch below them, but he was still a very good quarterback. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the moral, the moral of the story, more or less, here is just that, like, like we said before, there's an icon of the game that's gone, someone who had one of the greatest plays in history. Um, the Saturday is going to be cool regardless. I don't know if you saw this as well, but the Steelers are going to be wearing, like, the throwback block number jerseys from, like, the 70s and oh, stuff like that as well. Oh, I didn't well. see that. I just saw it today on, uh, I think it was Instagram, that they just announced that. So I love it. Throughout that, it's cool to see. It's just, it very much sucks that this weekend was about him and that yesterday he was doing all these interviews and stuff. And then out of nowhere, yeah. it's just, he's gone. It's just like that, yeah. he's gone. So that's the thing yeah. during this holiday season. Just pull the ones that you're closest with and just know that don't take every day for granted. But anyway, Absolutely. let's roll the intro. I am having a very bad day. Stanford Van nowhere in sight. Uh oh, it's picked off. Uh oh, oh no! Unbelievable! Oh wow! Incredible! Chandler Jones takes it in and wins the game for the Raiders.
yeah, that um, yeah, that's a great intro though. I, I, yeah, you can't be mad at that. That's a good intro. I am to please because literally that's more than the what happened of the game Sunday. Yeah, it's I don't know what to put it. Like that was there was there was the moral. There's like been heartbreaking losses. Yeah. Yeah. But it's rare that the Patriots have had a demoralizing loss. Right. This was demoralizing because and but we called this a month ago that we were gonna I, I called this, so that's why I like it doesn't take away the stink. I just remember telling you we were gonna beat Arizona, which we did, even yeah. under the circumstances, and then we were gonna lose to Vegas. It's just the yeah. way it had happened. That's and more than anything I look at it. Because I just didn't believe in, in Vegas. Um I still don't. I I think it's what's what's getting lost, what's going to get lost in all of it, obviously, and rightfully so. I think uh, the Patriots deserved what they got, but um, what's lost in it is that the Patriots rattled off twenty-one straight points before the touchdown that wasn't a touchdown, and then you know <laughs> that that mess. Um, but the Raiders started the Raidering, and the Patriots fight it out. Raiders, the Raiders, and I'm like, cool, cool, love that, love that for us. Happy to be here. <laughs> like, ridiculous. Yeah, exactly, because that's. If we had lost, like, say, 17 to 10 or 17 to – they went for two, so it was like, say it was like 17 to 9 even. Yeah. Look, fine. It is what it is. Like, you know, they were the better team. It's just the fact that they came back. Matt Collins catches the fourth down, and then there's the touchdown that wasn't a touchdown, which the officiating rabbit hole is something we can go down all along. I fully believe that they should hire them yeah. full, these guys full time. I but agree. that's neither here nor there. It's just – the simple fact that we had the game, it was going to overtime, but then the players went rogue. I don't like blaming the coaching staff for that. I understand them. They were yeah. just trying to, you know, you were trying to make a moment great, and it backfired. That's Absolutely. literally what happened. And the other thing I'll say Absolutely. this too for everyone saying, like, oh, Mac could have done this. Mac Jones, 10 times out of 10, is not tackling Chandler Jones on that play. I'm sorry. Like, that's just, come on. That's Let's not be serious. Let's yes. Be serious. Yeah, that's um. I, I uh, there's there's just so much about the, the the final sequence of the game that just just burns me up. Um, but that play in particular kills me because everyone's like, "Well, you know, why didn't Mac make that tackle?" And I'm like, I didn't realize how huge Chandler Jones is until he put Mac in the dirt. And you're looking, you're like, "And hey, Mac's never gonna tackle that guy. Are you, look at his legs. Are you, are you are you kidding me?" And he caught it in stride. He turned and he hit him. And it was just like, "All right, cool." I just I. I'm so curious as to what was going through Jacoby's mind. I know he explained it. He said, you know, he saw Mac and he wanted to make a play. But I I think the question that needs to be asked is, and then what? Like, say you did complete it to Mac. You know, you threw the ball, you know, 15 yards behind you to, to Mac, and he was open, sure. Did you think he was going to, like, rumble down the sideline for 55 yards? Like, help me understand what you were seeing there. You know what I mean? Um, but I completely agree when you say that the, uh, you know, the coach that bears no responsibility for that play in particular. Um, I think it's really lazy to kind of blame them for that because it's not like it was a called play. Um, and everyone, you know, everyone's a genius in hindsight. So everyone's like, oh, they should have just taken the knee. They should have taken the knee. But we've seen throughout the entire season, the Patriots have been super conservative. They've taken the knee and everyone's, you know, blasted them on Twitter for, for, for taking the knee and not being aggressive and going for the win or whatever the case is there. Um, the Patriots got the ball back with, what, like 30, uh, 34 seconds or something to that effect. Um, yeah. Two timeouts. They said, right, you know, fuck it. We'll, we'll try to we'll try to make something happen. Um, I think it's kind of foolish to to say like, oh, just take the knee because realistically, we would have all been very upset with that. Like, fuck it, win it, uh, win it in regulation. Don't bother with overtime. Just go out and win it. Um, and Ramondre pitched that ball back to Myers, and Myers just threw a dime to Chandler Jones, unfortunately. So 
Yeah, because that's even the other thing, too. Because, like, say, for example, if Chandler Jones drops that, it's like, okay, then, like, it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, day disaster averted. But the same thing, too, you don't know what's going to happen in overtime. That's where the yeah. what-if aspect of football always comes into play. But I hate it for that specific reason. Because when you get the what-if aspect, it's like, oh, they could have done this, or they could have done that. Or yeah. what if this happened, or if that happened. At the end of the day, it's a game. It's just it's hard to move on. Luckily, the Colts happened too, so it didn't wasn't like all the thunder raged. There was the Colts game too Saturday. Yeah, but. you know the thing is, uh, as weird as it is, like it was as soon as the play happened, I tweeted out LMAO because like it was just it was really funny in a way because like this is this is a team that we talked about it. Um, every time we've we've done a show together, we've kind of talked about like the teams like eh, they're kind of middling. Um, they're really not that good. That team's really not really going anywhere. Um, and it was just kind of funny to just watch it happen because these are the kind of things that happen to other teams and we laugh about it. I think it would be incredibly hypocritical if I was like, oh, no, that's not, you know, that's not, that's not funny. I saw someone com- compare it to the butt fumble and there were Patriots fans in the comments who were really upset with that. I don't know. I, I, thought, I thought it was kind of funny. Like, sure. Like, it's one of those, like, really stupid plays. And when teams make really stupid plays, it's okay to laugh at them. I don't care if it's my team or not. If my team's going to make a stupid play, I'm going to laugh at them because if they don't care about it, I don't care about it. Yeah, that's the thing. At the end of the day, they're moving past it. They're they're moving on to this weekend. And look, it is what it is. They played a game. Um, that's all we can say. But at the end of the day, when you transition to them, the playoff hopes of it, I'm going to say this, and I've said this I, off the record a bit to some people. I prefer this rate to this team not make the playoffs yeah. than get to the wild card round and get cooked, kind of like what we saw last year with the Arizona Cardinals. Now, injuries aside – you don't really go anywhere. Meanwhile, this year, you fool around, you go nine and eight. There's that little potential for next year. That's the other thing, too, for everyone saying, oh, this team sucks, this and that. I still say this, too, for anyone saying, like, get rid of Belichick. Belichick's the problem. Yeah. Like, 2020, this team, this team is not a seven-win team if Belichick's the coach. This team's, like, probably maybe best case five because you can easily take away – I don't know, the Pittsburgh loss, and then um, let's throw one in there for maybe one of the Jet game losses. I'll just say that just to be fun, not the one in Foxborough, because obviously we discovered that we have him on our roster. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Um, but that's just my take on the playoffs where, hey, we'll talk about Saturday in a bit, but that's the way I look at it. I'd rather see them miss at this point than get in and give us false hope. Yeah, I'm not um... – I don't agree. Um, well, I don't hold the same opinion. I can understand where you're coming from with that. Um, I have a Patriots group chat that I'm, I'm, I'm part of, and one of my good guys, uh, Jude, is in there, and he's like, he's you know a really smart, um, a really smart football mind. He really understands the game. Um, he, he's kind of on the same page with you. Like the team's better off missing the playoffs. Get yourself in better position to kind of restock the roster. Um, and I understand that. I just personally, I don't necessarily agree with uh, taking the season away i think that they may miss the playoffs organically they may not just just not have yeah. the horses to get there um and if that happens then it is what it is but i i don't think the idea of like losing losing on purpose or not you know or not trying as hard or whatever the case is there only because i i don't think tanking actually works in the nfl um i don't think any team is ever a draft away you think about the teams that are picking in the top you know the upper half of the draft um you look at the, the names up there and Outside of the teams that obviously traded into those spots, those are teams that are that were in there last year and they were in there the year prior. You even think about teams like, I know for a lot of people, they're like, oh, yeah, the Angels did it. They went out, got Joe Burrow, and then they were so good. And I'm like, well, no, they went out, got Joe Burrow number one overall, and then the very next year they were picking number five overall. And I know that, you know, Burrow had torn his ACL, but 
they didn't have a great record prior to that anyway. So like it's yeah. not out of their own power. You know, like that that ACL injury set them back maybe two and a half, three wins. Um, you know, you think about teams like Miami, they're oh tank for Tua. Yeah, and then they were picking in the top again. Like it's 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 kind of cyclical. Um teams like Jacksonville, obviously Cleveland, these are the kind of teams that I mean, come on, Cleveland picked number one back to back. You know what I mean? Everyone I think puts too much stock in the ability to just go out, draft a really good player and then like you know, take it from there. But in truth, when you're picking that high in the draft, it's because you're not a very good team. So the idea that, oh, I'll just, you know, go out and get someone at, you know, where are the Patriots picking right now? 11. Um, like, oh, if the Patriots lose a few more, they can maybe slide into the top 10. Yeah, you go out, you pick someone at nine. Chances are you're, you're going to be picking in that same range, nine to 15, yet again, because let's be real, no one is a player away. Everyone, you know, teams end up in the, teams that end up in the top 10 are in the top 10 multiple times in a row even teams like denver everyone was like oh they're a quarterback away and right now they're picking i think third or i mean pardon seattle's picking third for them you know what i'm saying so it's like i don't know i'm i'm more just kind of like enjoy it now and more importantly when we look at the draft when we talk about the draft in general i think we sell it really short there are 256 players picked in a draft in a normal year i think reducing it to oh you can only get good players in the first you know the first 14 picks I don't know. I think there are too many good players entering entering the league, and there are too many good players all around to just say, like, hey, we have to get someone in that top, you know, top 10 or 11 for it to matter. Um, especially because the talent drop-off in the first round of the draft, I mean, it's always, like, 12 deep. Like, once once you're beyond that, the guys are kind of more or less the same. Like, there are a lot of – like, the number of elite players in the draft is usually less than 10. Um, so, obviously, not everyone's going to be able to pick 10. So, personally – I, I just want to watch more Patriots football, even though this team is really hard to watch this year. Um, I If they make the playoffs, cool. If they don't make the playoffs, I don't know that I'm going to be necessarily upset about that. Um, going into the wild card and getting whacked, yeah, that 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 would be unfortunate. Although the Bills loss wasn't, I don't know. I, I was I was a little weird about that Bills loss in the playoffs because, like, it was, again, it was another one of those games that was kind of funny to watch just because it was so bad. Um, and then you were just looking at the state of the defense and you're like, yeah, like, they're just better than us. Like, yeah, all right, cool. Like, took some edibles and I enjoyed the night. So, <laughs> so that was me with the Bills game too. Like by halftime, I'm like, you know what? You have 30 minutes left of Patriots football for eight months, so just enjoy it. When yes. I say my part about them missing the playoffs, I only say that because that's a real. It's me being realistic. The fan in me, of course, I'd love to see this team on the table, go ten and seven, have the Chargers lose to Nick Foles Monday night. Which is another story on its own. Yeah. <laughs> but when I, and, and also, too, with the drafting thing as well, you nailed it on the head because everyone that's like saying, it's like right now people saying the Bears, oh, the Bears, if they can get Justin Fields this, they're like a world beater away and they're this crazy team. When in reality, they sold their two best defenders at the deadline Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith, gone. Yep. For some reason, you gave up a second for Chase Claypool, which doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah. So you nailed that on the head. I'm just coming at it from the perspective of, if they can land a pick like where they were two years ago, you know what, mid-teens, yeah. like that's yep. where I'm looking. Sure. More than sure. – yeah. I'm not trying to creep into the top ten. God, no, I don't want this team to go seven and ten. They go eight and nine or nine and eight down the stretch. It sucks. Hey, okay I'm, 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 it's a okay with me. Completely. If they win eight in the eight to ten win range, yeah. I'm okay with it. When I say what I said before, it's more or less just me looking at it from a realistic perspective. But even, hey, you know what, maybe they sneak in. Maybe they win a game, make it to the divisional round. That's me. That's me saying that on the <laughs> wildest dreams where everything, all the cards yeah. play right. You getting blackjack three three hands in a row out of the casino yeah. table. That's that's that dream. 
That's because yeah. that going into the season, that was like the everything goes right is you win a wild card game and then you're basically the 2020 Cleveland Browns. You know, that's where yeah. I see that. But when I see it with this year, like you said, I look at it as, hey, you know what, get in. Even if you get embarrassed, it's a, hey, they made the playoffs. This yeah. is bad. This team was a little fluky. So, you know, somehow made it in. I know there's a whole 20-point thing, but I think that's just bad. There's bad luck because there's a lot of those games where they let up more than 20. You can argue Baltimore, Green Bay, Minnesota, and even Sunday. So four of their seven losses yeah. were games where they weren't horrible. The only games I could say where things didn't go right, it's like the one I'll always say, the Chicago game. If everyone's saying, oh, yep. this quarterback, no, no one played good that night. Buffalo, we learned that night, hey, the Bills are just the better team. And the other one, Miami, was just a bad game, too, considering. Yeah, they scored the, seven points and had nothing going on. Yeah, they had nothing going yeah. on. So that's the thing you have to accept as a football fan. Not every week is going to go your way. Even we learned yeah. that even when the Patriots were the elite of the elite. Now with the playoffs, like I say, you're a team that's in the hunt at this time of the year. I think that the six and eight teams, like the uh, Raiders and the Jags, yeah. I don't see it there. It's like people trying to make, you know, make plays of, to get Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. I'm sorry, but if you're not at seven wins going into week 16. It's time to pack it up. It's time yeah. to pack it up. It's that. Yeah. Sure. It's that. It's like, I, like I've seen some Raider fans being like, oh, we can run the table and get in. But I'm like, you're, that's when you're setting yourself up for heartbreak. You know, yep. that's why yeah. you have to put on the realistic hat because then you're not setting yourself up for disappointment. So say if the Patriots go eight and nine, miss. It's not disappointing because it's like, hey, you know what? We've come to grips with what to expect. But if they yeah. run the table to get it in, it's just like putting the cherry on top of the Sunday. So that's where I was trying to get at with that. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. I, I would agree with that. I think, um, in truth, this is a bad Patriots team. Um, yeah. But it's always kind of fun to see a bad team get into the playoffs, just see if they can do a little something with it. Um, I don't think this is the team for that. I think there are going to be big changes in the offseason. Um, and that's why – I've kind of resigned myself to be like, oh, well, I'm just here to watch the games because I know that next year will be completely different. I know that come, you know, whenever Black Monday Monday is this year, I think it's like the second week of January. Once that rolls around, there are going to be a lot of a lot of changes, and this is not going to be the same team I'm watching forward um, going forward. I know people want to make it about you know Mac Jones or or Bailey Zappi, who's the quarterback or whatever. I think there are real issues with this team that go beyond that, um, and I just tired of people reducing it to just quarterback because I think even if you swap out the quarterback that doesn't fix the offensive line issues, it doesn't fix the offensive scheme issues. Um, it's just not a super great team. That, that's, that's the thing. It's just not a great team. Like We know this offseason, hey, there's going to be changes. Um, there's also one person who's been fairly quiet that I think we're, you're going to hear a lot from once the season is over. But Craft, uh, by the way. Um, gotcha. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what are we talking about? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but craft. But when you look ahead to this offseason, Miguel Bazan, you know, Pat's cap, obviously, he's great with the numbers and everything yeah. like that. He labeled out uh, eight ways to create cap space. And the first two, I think, are I agree upon strongly. And that is to extend Hunter and extend Judon. You know what? Take some money, have them give some money back now and then push it down the road. So if that one, the cap keeps increasing, the number is fine. And also, too, I already have that, like, PTSD fear that they're going to let Judon walk for a huge bag. But I think he's a guy that you keep because he's a great locker room presence, plus two, he's a one health yeah. football player. Hunter Henry is the other one because I know you and I have the argument of, like, not the argument, but we've basically come in here and said, you put him in a blocking scheme, he's going to be on his ass. Yep. You let him get open in the flat, guess what's going to happen? He's going to make plays. That's why I tweet out every game, when you get Hunter Henry the ball, good things happen, uh, unless your name's Alex Kemp. Um, the other, the, uh, then the other three, which 
two I can see happening, but one I think will stay is to either trade or cut Parker, Mills, and Bourne. I want to keep Kendrick to give him to his full potential, but I still think I I just think of a way where he's a cap casualty because of the way I he's, he's been, gone. I, I he's, he's gone, gone. too. Yeah. Um, and he's, then also, the other... he's just not really um, he's not playing great. I I know that everyone's always like, oh, what about his usage? What about his usage? He's playing like forty snaps a game, um, or there there are times he played forty snaps a game. You read around about I think thirty one and a half um, per game. He's just not really producing. Um, I think it is a scheme a scheme issue with regards to his, you know lack of production, but I don't think he necessarily fits what they're trying to do this year. Um, I'm just questioning if that matters because, like I said, I think I think every, every you know the the offensive system gets a re- an overhaul next year. So I don't know. Maybe he sticks, he sticks around. I don't think six. Uh, I think his cap hits like what six point nine. I don't think that's that big a number that you have to be like, oh, yeah, uh, he has to go. So, I don't know. But I think personally he's gone by his request. Yeah, I think he'll request to be cut, and then he'll benefit from a change of scenery. It's kind of like what happened to Chase Winovich last year. Um, yeah. And I also think, too, they're going to try to get Taekwon an extended role in his second year now that he's going to have a healthy offseason to get yeah. adjusted to the offensive system. Uh, yeah. And then Mills, I think, stays. I don't think they're going to trade or cut him. I think he's just been hit by the injury bug. Yeah, I think he's just so solid. Um, he's not very good. He's not very bad. You know what you're getting out of him. You're getting like C plus play, and yeah. I think every team kind of needs that. You could move on from him and just kind of elevate, you know, Jack Jones into that full time starting role. But there are some issues with that as well. So I, I think you personally you keep Jalen Mills, um, especially if Devin McCourty goes, because I think you can move Mills back to safety and kind of make it happen there. But we'll see. And with that one, I think that's a retirement more than he goes somewhere else. I think he's like oh, most certainly, most certainly. Yeah, that's yeah, him and Slater. Those are retirements. Those are I don't yeah. think those are. Uh, those are there. Maybe he goes joins his brother on Good Morning Football. Who knows? <laughs> that would be fun. That's not an insult, by the way. Uh, Jason's fantastic on that show. Yeah, he's been very good. I, I think right now he's he's carrying the show because I used to like I used to like Kyle Brandt a lot. He's gotten on my nerves. I don't know why recently. Um, and Peter Schrager has always been kind of you know Peter Schrager. Yeah. I, I, I've always liked Schrager. Brandt. I just I don't know why, but I just don't like how all of a sudden with like I think it's been a bit of the rivalry, but I don't like how you see like him, Mike Rob being like these huge Buffalo fans, but then you never really saw much of the media being like that when the Patriots were elite. But then all of a sudden like the yeah. Buffalo Bills are good, and then everyone all of a sudden you know like all these media people are like out here publicly supporting Buffalo. That's just something like it's like okay, where was that when we were on top? And then the other yeah. one, which I think is realistic, is I don't think a trade, but I think a June first cut is due for John, who just so. The cap, the dead cap number is not as great, and he gets another change. But my only question for that is then who gets tight end two? So I yeah. can see it happening, but I wouldn't be shocked if John is back on the roster in twenty three. Yeah, I have an opposite opinion. I think John is. I think Hunter Henry is actually going to be the one who's gone. Um, oh. He's yeah. It's uh, they 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 keep trying to make him make it happen with uh with with uh, Hunter Henry this year, but he's not. He's just not playing very well physically. Like he's just not. We obviously we talked about his usage in the run game. He's just not been that same kind of like reliable, you know, over the over the middle kind of threat. Um, and he's not playing as well physically. I think Janu kind of kind of here just by by virtue of his cap hit. Um, but I also like when they get Janu the ball because when they throw him the football in, you know, down the field, like he makes it happen. It's just he's not he doesn't get as many targets as Hunter Henry. I think Hunter Henry's you know target to impact ratio just isn't as isn't where it needs to be. I know he's been catching those seam balls, but lately it feels like he either catches the seam ball or he has nothing going on. Um, and that's been super frustrating to see. I 
I don't think you can go into the next season with both of those tight ends just because, like, they're really not doing much. Um, but by virtue of the fact that Hunter Henry's entering his last year um, and his cap hit is what his cap hit is versus John, who has two years left on his deal, and he has a huge cap hit, which you can't move without, you know, a June, a June one cut or a trade, I think it's more likely than anything that Hunter Henry's the one who's gone. Um, that's, just my, that's just my thought there. If they're looking to shed cap, I think though the entire question, um, and this isn't about Miguel or anything, I think it's, he's just answering the questions that people ask him, but I think the entire question might actually just be moot because the Patriots aren't hurting for cap space. So any player that gets moved, um, I don't think it's necessarily, I think it'll be framed as like, oh, you know, the, you know, players are cap casualty and they're going to go. Um, but in truth, I think across the league, uh, teams just kind of hide behind the whole cap casualty thing anyway. Um, because there are teams that don't need to free up the money who move on from players anyway. Um, like I said, uh, Kendrick Bourne's cap hit is 6.9 um, or something, or thereabout. It's less than $7 million. That's not like a significant number of, uh, that's, not, that's not a significant cap figure. So sure, you can keep him, you can move him on, you can move on from him and say, oh yeah, we just freed up all this money, but you don't need to. So you would only be doing it because you don't, you don't value the, what he's bringing to the team. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I don't think they necessarily need to make cap space because they have, I think Miguel has them at somewhere around 38 million. Um, Spot track has them over at 51. I think that number's really high. I don't, I don't know how they got that, that big a number, but I'm going with Miguel's numbers because his numbers are always, he, he can always explain how we got to where we got to. So. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing I just saw in the original tweet too, where he was saying that between 37 to 42, so it's not like they have to make a crazy big adjustment, but then there's also yeah. players to sign there's some players who I think are going to walk, like Aguilar and Harris. I think both are gone. I think Absolutely. it's a foregone conclusion. Aguilar's performance and Harris is just, look, you got a horse at running back, and look, the kids are okay. The kids are all right. What the kids, yeah, did, yeah. What the yeah. kids did against Arizona shows yeah. that, hey, these two guys are reliable and that you can use Ramondre as a dual threat and that you can use Harrison Strong for run game down deep. I also thought Harris's writing was on the wall as soon as Harris, as soon as, well, ironically, Harris and Strong were drafted in 2022. So that's yeah, just, that's the that's the way I look at that. Where I think Damian I Harris is, he's just he needs a change of scenery, and I think his thigh injury is really not helping him either. To where it's yeah, yeah. I'm I pretty think sure he was somewhere down this year, yeah, and just be a house. I, can't, I, I I'm personally looking forward to that. I kind of hope he he lands in like Philly and just like does what he does. I think he's a, an excellent player. I just don't think he makes sense to resign. Because you have Ramondre Stevenson, who's a bigger factor in the passing game. Um, also, I think Ramondre is like just a better player, which is shocking because like last year, uh, a lot of people got on that really early. They're like, "Oh, Ramondre Stevenson's the better player," and I'm like, "Nah, nah, it's Damian, it's Damian." Um, and lo and behold, it turns out Ramondre is actually looking like the better guy. And like, oh, yeah, cool. Um, so I don't think it makes sense to resign him. And I think Kevin Harris has shown. You know, he's shown enough that it's worth developing. And I think Pierre Strong is good. I, I think he's good right now. Um, I, don't, I, I know he hasn't gotten many opportunities, but I think you can see it when he runs. You're just like, okay, cool. I see why they drafted him in the fourth round, and yeah. I see what his role is going to be going forward. It's like you get, you understand why he they took a chance on him. Because that's yep. even the other thing, too, with the draft I want to point out, even though, look, Cameron Grown is someone I was really excited to see, but we're not going to see him doing it. Maybe next year. Maybe yeah. come back. Who knows? But <laughs> – when you look at the draft, I always say this. You can hit on day one. That's fine. You win the drafts in day two and day three. In the last yep. three years, for all the flack Belichick gets for he's not able to draft, you can look at all three drafts and see solid contributors along the line. Kyle Duggar, yeah. great. Josh Uche playing amazing right now. Yeah. Even like guys like Nefri Jennings, 
Um, and then you move into 2021, obviously, Barmore, Stevenson. I, I'm really hoping we get to see Ronnie Perkins next year. That's one big hope yeah. we have. Yeah, I think I think the teams have used him uh, in the early middle portion of the season there where um, Uche was out and they just had no one on the other side. I think Anthony Jennings is a good run player. I don't think he's a great pass rusher. And I think Ronnie Perkins can be a good pass rusher. So I was like, ah, they really missed him. And then Uche turned it on. So now, now moot point. But yeah, I completely agree. I think you look at even this past draft class, um, the only players who haven't contributed have been the, the, the two linemen. Yeah, the two linemen who were taken in the sixth round or sixth think, or seventh, you know what I mean? And I think there's a chance that we see Stuber either in one of these three games down the stretch, uh, especially because I don't think Wynn is gone. Because that's the other thing, too, where you look at this team for the future. There's only three offensive linemen that I think are 100% on this team next year. That's Andrews, and that's Strange, and that's Owen, and those three. Yep. So if you're guarding your three best players. Yeah. Your three best players. Trent, I could see either taking a cheap deal or I think he can come back just because of the price tag. I think, you know what, he'll be willing to take a discount. Like, you know what David Andrews did last year where he went out, he explored the waters, but then, hey, the grass is always greener on the other side. So then you take route one, you go back to Bill's office, and then you sign a cheap, another cheap one, two-year deal or a one-year deal with a second-year option. And then when I think is gone, I think it's just like a foregone conclusion. Someone's going to yeah. give him money. He's going to yep. get one of those, like, Jamie Collins, like, contracts that you regret. Yeah. Someone's going to well, take a chance on him. I think – I think I've always been way higher on wind than most people. Like, he's been fine. I just think his yeah. his, his errors oh, have been, like, I more mean, his price point compared to his uh, – like, Absolutely. At that part, absolutely. Someone's going to pay him a huge amount, and they're going to have to because everyone needs tackles. <laughs> there just aren't yeah. enough good ones. Like, in a 32-team league, there are, like, 18 good tackles. So, someone's going to pay for win. Um it just sucks that the Patriots are essentially going to have to restart. Um, is Trent on his, in, in a contract here, or does he have another yeah. year left? I think he signed. Like, I'll, I'll look it up, but I'm pretty sure right now he's on like a one year deal. I'm like ninety percent, like ninety percent sure of that. I just know okay. that he came. He was he was one of the early pieces to come back for when the uh, trade for when the twenty one off season started. We're like, all right, cool, bring it back Trent Brown. Oh, oh, never mind. Uh, he's a two year contract, so he's got one more year left. My my apologies. Okay. Do we know the so numbers think, on that second year? Because I think if the numbers are crazy, he might be gone anyway. So, so the contract was two years at thirteen million, so it's about six and a half per. I guess. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. But I'll have to look oh. at the. Uh, I'll, I'll look at the sport track numbers just to see. Okay. Yeah, I think um, Trent hasn't been playing well. I know that you know he got sick and he lost all that weight and all that, but prior to that, he hadn't really been playing all that well either. I think honestly, one of the biggest errors made this offseason outside of bringing in Matt Patricia to coordinate offense uh, was really flipping Isaiah Wynn and Trent Brown because even even though people you know are are down on Wynn and oh Wynn sucks Wynn sucks Wynn sucks he has he had at least been serviceable at left tackle for the better part of three years or two and a half years really because he missed that that year Um, he'd been like a serviceable left tackle you're like all right cool he's gonna you know probably give up four sacks in a year going to have a, a bunch of penalties because that's kind of what he does, but he's going to be like, he's not going to get you killed. Then they move him to the right side, and he's been an absolute liability. Um, and then Trent moving back to the left side was supposed to be like, all right, don't worry, our left side is, you know, handled. Um, and then he's been getting the old, you know, the old razzle-dazzle over there. So I, I think that was just an error. And, you know, the Patriots don't like moving around their offensive line, uh, offensive linemen at this point, but I don't know. That was, that was a strange decision. I don't think anyone benefited from it. Um, obviously, Wynn was really ornery about that. He's obviously entering a contract here, playing a new position he has never played, um, and he played poorly. So I think he's going to be gone. I think someone's going to pay him 
you know, left tackle money to go, you know, protect the blind side for him, and he's going to be decent, decent, not great, and that's it. And the Patriots are just going to have to find a new tackle. So Trent's numbers, by the way, his signing bonus is two and a half. He only got four million guaranteed at signing, so it is a very good contract to keep around. It's it's yeah, it's not that's, a, that's a good number, yeah. Yeah, one player I there's like as soon as I saw the tackles to replace with like the name Orlando Brown came up, and I'm like they're not in the price range. Yeah. Uh, you could potentially go with Jack Conklin, but I think it's the same thing, not in the price range. So I could see them drafting. There's the one ta- there's the one tackle from Northwestern, Peter Skorinski, I really like, but I doubt he makes it out of the top ten. Yeah. So it's a big wait and see, like because when I look at this team for draft needs, it's more the less just restocking the cabinet. It's not like yeah. there's any there's not there's not like no glaring need, you know, maybe obviously like wide receiver or a tackle, but besides that. I look at wide receiver to where I like your Hunter Henry going because someone needs to come back in exchange for DeAndre Hopkins becoming a New England Patriot <laughs> next year. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. So here's the thing with, uh, with that. I think – I don't know if the Patriots will draft a receiver in the top um, – or in the top few rounds of the draft unless some you know someone sick falls. Um, I think Zay Flowers is a good option out of uh, Boston um, – out of Boston College. Yeah. Um, I think he'll be there wherever the Patriots pick because he, for whatever reason, he's not getting the hype he should get uh, as far as like being a, a, a top of the first half kind of prospect. I think Zay Flowers is a good option, but I really think this is, we're reaching the point where the Patriots are just going to swing a trade for somebody. Um, I've mentioned Michael Thomas in the past um, online, mainly whenever I tweet these, like these things are like, oh, this player is going to be a Patriot next year or whatever. Um, it's mostly jokes, but I do honestly believe the Patriots do swing a trade for a receiver at this point. I think they have Tyquan Thornton um, there. There's some good things. He's doing some good things. He's getting open. He's not seeing the ball. He's really just been up and down the last few weeks. Um, yeah. As far as like, there are some plays he's making and there are other plays he's just not not really getting off of the press and you're like, oh, that's kind of an issue. But I don't think you you necessarily restart and go get to another one and you need, you know, and have two young receivers trying to work through them at the same time. So I think you swing your tra- trade for a veteran. I think Michael Thomas has probably done in uh, New Orleans. I think DeAndre Hopkins is a is a popular name, um, especially after that clip surfaced after the Monday night game. That would be a lot of fun, though. So I'll, you know. I, I'm not going to lie. That'd be exciting. I think Jerry Judy, I think one of the Broncos receivers. Um, that's a name I've been high back. on. That's yeah. a number I've been, yeah. that's a name I've been high on. The other one is T Higgins out of Cincinnati because it's an AJ Brown yeah. situation over again. Plus they have a cheap owner and you have two players <laughs> who need to get, who are going to get paid. That's the thing. Yeah. So there's going to yeah. be an odd man out and it's going to be Higgins. The other, like I say Hopkins jokingly too, but I yeah. still think to get a true evaluation on Mac, you need to get him a stud wide receiver one. I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, right now they're they're kind of like bandaging everything, you know, as far as like the receiving core goes. And and truth be told, I do like and I've said this before, I do like the receiving core they have. I do think though they just need a dynamic piece. Um right now they have a lot of like good complimentary players, um, but they're complementing each other and not yeah. like you, you you need to you know, I hate the term wide receiver one. I hate like at this point I'm so sick of reading it. But you do need like just a. You, we've seen the trend over the last few years uh, uh, in the NFL where you know third-year quarterbacks they just get them a stud piece and everyone's just like oh shit all of a sudden this player can play. I think that's going to help a lot with the evaluation of Mac Jones. Um, as far as like the whole quarterback situation goes, uh, if you so I'm a Mac guy. Everyone knows that I'm a Mac guy. I have the Bama uh, the Bama bias there, whatever. But if I'm not I'm not so steeped into it that I couldn't be convinced to move on from Mac. Like you, you know. It's not going to take a lot. People are making some valid cases, especially after he had the stinker of the game that he had on Sunday. But 
I will say this. If you if you think the Patriots need to move on from Matt Jones to get a more um a, a higher upside quarterback, like go out and get, you know, CJ Stroud or whoever in the draft and like someone who, you know, can be, you know, a game changer, fine. If you're trying to convince me that the Patriots need to move on from Matt Jones to insert Bailey Zappi, we need to stop having the conversation because like you gotta upgrade and at at best, right now the argument for Bailey Zappi over Matt Jones as well. They were winning with Zappy, and I'm like, stop it. Like, if, if, you're, if you're saying, hey, move on from Mac Jones, go get you a stud, fine, go ahead, do that. If you're saying move on from him to, to replace him with his lesser version, I'm not I'm, – I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. That's my ah, take there on we go. it. <laughs> I, I, I was going to get to this at some point because I know everyone's starting to say right now, start Zappy. The only reason I would do it is week 18 if Buffalo is benching their starters and Case Keenum's at quarterback – and you want to see what Bailey Zappi has. But Bailey sure. is what I thought he was. It's a Jared Stidham replacement because we didn't have faith in Jared Stidham. That's right. all Bailey is. When his name gets called, if someone, if Matt goes down with injury, guess what? In the stretch, in the three games Matt missed, they went two and one. Sure, they beat the Lions, who at the time hadn't figured it out yet, which, thank God, and yeah. the Cleveland Browns, who, yep. you know, this year's a write-off for them. So he won games you're supposed to win. And yep. he looked good in the games, but that's the other thing yep. too. He wasn't anything spectacular to where it's like, you know right. what? Oh, you have to replace him with him. Yeah. The Monday yeah. night game, it was this and this. I think the Monday night game was a mix of, hey, Max not 100% yet. Plus, look, whenever it's his only interception, that was just an amazing read by Jaquan Briscoe on the interception yep. of the Monday night game. Yep. But yep. if you look at him after that, besides the first Jet game, Colts game, he looked great. The Jets' second game, look, no one looked good in that game except for Marcus yep. Jones. Yep. Minnesota, he played fine. Yep. Actually, like really good against Minnesota. He played he played okay against Buffalo. Arizona, he did enough to get the job done. Except, I think that for that interception too was just you know what the bat it makes a bad offensive line play. Uh, Connor, yeah, we, it was. It was so Connor McDermott's your right tackle. You yeah. can only do so much. It was very then, similar to the one he had against the Jets, where Bryce Huff just got around um, whoever the hell was playing. I think it was. Uh, Yanni Kajus at the time, he was playing right tackle. He got around yeah. and got his arm hit, and the ball got you know got picked off. It was almost the exact same interception. You know, like mm, tough. Yeah, and then Sunday was just look. Both quarterbacks seemed to play pretty bad considering their circumstances. Yeah. So that's where they I were having on. a mid off. But also, yeah, exactly. They're having a mid off, and then with <laughs> this, and then with this coming season, twenty twenty three, I look at it as you know what he doesn't have to make the playoffs. We just can't see a major regression out of him. We're not, I'm not looking for this, like, you know, Josh Allen, oh, my God, out of nowhere, MVP candidate. I'm looking for can he play consistent games without throwing risky passes? Can he make more throws? And can he throw only maybe two screens in the game that aren't on second or third down? So yeah, I think that's so more that, play calling than him. Yes, I think it's so tough. And I had this conversation with someone who um, is a really big zappy, you know, zappy acolyte, if you will. He really believes in – in the message and he's like not a Jones guy in any way. And we had this conversation and it really, it, it, to me, it's just so hard to, to put it all on Matt to be like, Oh yeah. It's, you know, the offense is being held back because Matt Jones sucks. And it's like, cool. Every player on the team outside of Ramondre Stevenson and Michael Wendu is having a bad year. It's having like a career worst year at that. You know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. it's, and it's across the board. It's, you know, four, uh, four of the five offensive linemen, even David Andrews is consistent as he has been throughout his career. He's having a bad year. Um, Hunter Henry's having a bad year. Nelson Aguilar, oh, he's kind of Nelson, Nelson Aguilar, he kind of does what he does. Devontae Parker, 
I mean, he's never been a, a world beater in the first place, but he's had better years than he's having right now. Kendrick Bourne is having a, a terrible year. And you're just looking and it's like across the board, these guys are not having great years. It's, it's tough for me to then say, well, of these 11 starters, you know, nine of them are just terrible versus, hey, it's the first year in a new system with a defensive coordinator, you know, moonlighting as an offensive coordinator. Maybe it's not the players. Maybe, maybe it's a little more than that because it, it, it's just insane to me that we've seen such a steep regression from all of these players. And we're just supposed to just take it as a fact that, oh, yeah, it's the players who are just now all of a sudden bad. When last year, they yeah. were not all of a sudden bad. You know what I mean? You could argue, oh, well, maybe they weren't that good last year and they were being schemed up or whatever the case is. Fine. Even if even if you honestly, truly believe that, which is nuts to me, even if you honestly, truly believe that, how do you explain everyone having a bad year? Yeah. Outside of the fact that there's a defensive coordinator calling 23 screen passes in the middle of a fucking game. That's, you know, that's, it's, it's just that's tough. It. Like... Like it, it's so easy to just give a mulligan because you're like, yeah, these like these guys are are trying to make chicken soup out of chicken shit, and we're now blasting them for not having a great year. But like, their offensive coordinator this time last year wasn't even like wasn't even employed. You know, what I mean? he was a special advisor. He was just kind of floating around. Their the the quarterback coach was a special teams coach who was also a wide receivers coach after never having coached wide receivers before. So like. This is someone who who called a fucking quarterback sneak on like second down in his own territory. It was just nuts. And it's like these are the guys who were brought in to go ahead and like coordinate your offense with your second year quarterback. And they came in and they decided, hey, we're gonna install some new stuff and we're gonna run a new system. And here's what we're gonna do. And everyone is having a bad year. It's almost like it. it, it it's almost just it's inconceivable that people are are blaming the players for what look like a huge coaching issue you know what i'm saying like maybe, maybe i'm wrong and i know there there are people out there who are just like no the coaching's fine we got to give it we got to blame the players like matt chatham who I, who I really respect his analysis but he's been on this like oh yeah you know it's the players it's not the coaching it's not the coaching but like let's let's be let's be real like let's let's talk about what we're seeing when we're when we're looking at you know screen swing screen you know wide receiver screen uh, screen tunnel screens the, the fucking double screen, which never works, but they keep calling it the, 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 the fake the screen right, throw it to Ramondre left and get blown up four yards in the backfield. When, when that's being run four or five times a game, I'm sorry. I'm going to look at the coaching like, hey, what are y'all doing? Yeah, and, th- and that's the other thing, too. Like, when you look at coaching, like, I saw that thing, say, from 98-5, where it was like Belichick has to go. And I saw some Bills fans reveling in it being like, oh, we broke them. No, Belichick is not the problem. And also, I don't like the whole comparing, you know, like, oh, is Brady better? Is Was it Brady that made Belichick or was it Belichick that made Brady? It's both of them worked together for 20 years, and right. one needed to move on from the other. And if you folks don't believe me, there's a book on my nightstand that's called The Dynasty by Jeff Bendick. I've preached it every time I have a Patriots person on because you need to go read that book because that book has all the dirty secrets that you want to know. Not the Seth Wergerson bullshit, but it's the what you need to know about what happened. And also, I'll say this too, for anyone out there saying Tom Brady coming back, that's no. That doesn't benefit anyone. Yeah, this, what I this mm, he makes his team a Super Bowl contender all of a sudden. No, it's gonna be 2019 right. all over again. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, someone someone else said it reeks of desperation, and I need to find out who that was and just pin that tweet because that is a that I would completely agree with. That. I think one you would you would be throwing out you know two years of development on Mac Jones, and if you don't believe in Mac Jones, fine, that is what it is. You would then be looking for a new quarterback because you're not going to have your 40, a 46-year-old quarterback as the guy, right? You still yeah. need to 
plan for the fact that, and this is someone who already retired. You're going to, you can't just like insert him in the office and be like, oh, we're all good. So you're, you're saying, hey, we're going to start fresh at quarterback, bring back Tom Brady, and then go out and draft someone anyway. Cool. If you then go out and use a first round pick on a, on a stud quarterback, like everyone keeps saying, you still have to address the rest of the holes on the offense. You still need a tackle. You need maybe two tackles. You still need to figure out what you're doing at wide receiver as far as getting yourself a, a game-changing a game changing talent there. All that still needs to be addressed. You still you still do need a at, at least one cornerback. You still do need, you know, a something opposite, you know, Uche and Judon. Uche is going to be entering his, um, I think it's the last year of his deal. He'll be going into a contract year. Um, Judon will have another year after that, but you don't have a third pass rusher. You there there are there are positions that need to be addressed in the draft, and I think punting on that and then just you know bringing in Tom Brady and then just kind of restarting kind of puts you in a bad in a bad spot there. I think it's a fun storyline. Um, it's just it's just that that's all that it is. It's just a fun storyline. It's the want over need with drafting. Like we've seen the Pittsburgh Steelers do it over the last couple of years. Like they didn't need Najee yeah. Harris. They didn't need to go get Kenny Pickett. Like, they didn't need Pat Frymuth. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't need all those players, even though excuse me, there's another Penn State tight end who's gonna be a free agent this year who plays in Miami, who I'd like in New England, but at the same time too, I don't think it'll happen. Gasecki, by the way. No. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they uh I don't think he's a good enough blocker what the Patriots are gonna be asking him to do. Um, yeah. if they stick with this run heavy approach. Exactly, exactly. But when it comes to things like that, when you look at the Patriots, you have to look at it where, hey, we don't expect this team to be a Super Bowl contender. I don't think any Patriot fan out there is saying that. No, what I want next year is a team to be in the position where, you know, the L.A. Chargers are in, where the Miami Dolphins are in, to be, instead of being 7-7 at this point, to be 8-6, and six, to be 9-5, and five, you know, to yeah. be in that, that territory. You win a couple games you're not supposed to because that's the thing with the Patriots this year. None of their wins were really games. They didn't really steal any games this year. And last year, that's yeah. something that they, they yeah. did. Like, they went into L.A. on Halloween, and they, they beat the Chargers. Shout out to Adrian Phillips. 2020, they, they did the same thing against the Ravens. They weren't supposed to win that game at all in that rainstorm, and they did. It's just this team doesn't have that. They don't have that, like, yeah. hey, we got one that we weren't supposed to get. Every single one that they were supposed to lose, they lost. And they lost one that they weren't supposed to lose. They gave away a win, you know, as far as the uh, – the Raiders game, they weren't supposed to lose that game, and they weren't supposed to lose to the uh, to the Bears. So it's like yeah. you're giving away games as opposed to stealing games. And I, I you hit it right there. I, I think that's a great way to put it. You want the team to be able to steal some wins. Right now, what it feels like is every win is like a you know hang on to your hat kind of win. Like all right, they won, but do I feel any better about this than last week? No, uh, that sucks. You know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of how it's been this entire time. They play the good teams, and the defense keeps them in it but you never feel like they're going to win. You know what I'm saying? Like they, like the, the Bills game might be a perfect example. And I, and I know the Bills are an elite team. They, you know, should be in the Super Bowl or should have been in the Super Bowl. I don't think they will be anymore, but they had the potential heading into the season to be in the Super Bowl and everyone had them as yeah. favorites and all that. Um, but that was a game where the Patriots defense kept them in it. And at no point did you feel like they were going to win anyway, because like the offense just had nothing, had yeah. absolutely nothing going on. And you're like, Cool. Even the Arizona game, I know they won by um by multiple scores at that point, but even that game, you were just like, ah, yeah, they won, but holy cow, they were just how ah, much struggle that was. You know what I mean? It took a, uh, the the Raquan McMillan fumble recovery to get it to a point where you're like, okay, now the Patriots are gonna win. They're gonna they're gonna win and it's gonna feel comfortable. But there were points in that game where you're like, ah, this can turn on a hat. Like this is this is tough. Raiders Raiders game was kind of the same thing. It took the uh, Kyle Duggar pick six, and you were like, okay, now I can feel like. 
the Patriots can do something, but the offense just isn't where it needs to be. Yeah, that's the thing. Because if if you had this year's off, this year's last year's offense with this year's defense, this is a right. team that's in the wild card mix right now. Like they're Absolutely. not on the outside Absolutely. looking in. They're, they are they are a wild card team, hundred percent. But yeah. like, even the Buffalo game, still like it was just you knew how good Buffalo was in that moment because you're like, okay, Josh Allen's still doing goofy shit. But they only won by fourteen. Like that's the yeah. thing. Like Josh Allen had that one crazy throw. I think it was the game Davis where you know the one where he like went out of bounds and then he got it and then yeah. Just, yeah, Funny. that was yeah. Yeah, like he had moments like that where you realize, okay, yeah, they're the better team. They are that. Like they're Buffalo's no longer scared to come into July and win. Josh is uh since Brady left, he's won every game here. But when you like even last year too, going into Buffalo and beating him, I know everyone says, Oh, but Mac only threw two times. That's the game where I look at saying you can't you do not win that game if you have Bill Belichick. That game yep. the, the windy, yep. snowy game, the yeah. two for three, 19 yards. Damian Harris had the crazy run. You yep. don't win that game with Bill Belichick. Any other coach would have probably played a very conservative style of football. And that was conservative for Bill's metrics. Meanwhile, when I look at this team for this year, and I look at teams for Saturday, I'm just going to flash the graphic up because, look, we are playing the Bengals. Fun yep. fact, the Bengals haven't won in Foxborough since 1986. They're 7-0 in that stretch. Hold on, hold on. Is, is Cincinnati minus 3.5? Yes. Cincinnati's minus 3. Yes. Holy cow. I, I think the Patriots get slaughtered in that game. Um. The Vegas obviously is just agree. That's nuts. I think they're trying. I don't know what it is with this line. I think there's. I think there's people thinking. And also, too, I looked at it right now. The public is heavy on the Bengals for this weekend. It's like eighty percent of the tickets coming in are Bengal betters. So I look at this. I think there's two reasons why they think that this could be close because of the way that Devontae Adams was defended on Sunday. Can you do that to Joe Burr to Jamar Chase? Yeah. But then again, I look at it, it's like, okay, but they have T. Higgins, they have Tyler Boyd, yep. they have Joe yep. Mixon. When we looked at James James Conner ran on his team. Yep. And like you said, it was the the their Arizona win felt very good. But at the same time, too, we live too much in the moment. Because I'm look the way I look at this team, I could see a world where they win on Saturday, it's eight and seven. And then next week in Miami, you know, next week Miami comes to town. It's just one of those things where Oh, nothing happens because the worst case scenario, I think, and what I don't want to happen is we're nine and seven going into Buffalo week 18. They crap down our throats and eliminate us from playoff contention. I would rather be out. <laughs> That's my thing. I would rather, rather have our time. <laughs> I'd rather be out. I'd rather either be out ahead of time or we have a spot secure ahead of time, which the, yeah. the second one is doubt like is doubtful. Like the Chargers would have to lose their next two games to and then New York has to lose as well. Which I yeah, actually New, think could happen. Which yeah, New York does not have an easy schedule to finish the season. Yeah, that's the thing. Like even because that's the thing too, where for everyone saying, "Oh, the Patriots this with Mac Jones or this and this and this," the way I look at it with the Jets, it's the same thing. But guess what? You have the weapons. You have a consistent offense. The fact yeah. that they're seven and seven. It's yeah. still worse than our seven and seven. I know people came at me because they're like, "Oh, but who have the Patriots done since that Jets game?" I will stand by this take on this season that the Jets needed that game more in Foxborough than the Patriots needed. I completely agree. Because the Jets yep. the Jets losing that game, look what it's done to them to where now I think yeah. if there's a still Robert Sala, Mike White, Zach Wilson ownership controversy, when you start fighting with ownership, that's when coaches lose their job. So I'm not here yeah. to say Robert Sala is going to get fired, but there's always be, a, there's always a surprise on Black Monday. Like, that, that would be really Jets-like for them to do that. Um, yeah. Because it would just be a bad decision. I think Robert Sal is a, a great coach. 
Um, I that entire that entire New York controversy is nuts to me because I don't think Mike White Mike White is very good. Um, I just I don't, but I think he is significantly better than Zach Wilson. Um, and I've never been a Zach Wilson believer. <laughs> like coming in uh, coming out of the draft, I was like, yeah, this is the guy who's gonna bust. Um, it was him and Trey Lance. I don't know about Trey Lance yet, but um, I remember I tweeted and I was like, yeah, these are the two guys because it was like, oh yeah, these five quarterbacks, Max gonna be the one to bust. And I'm like, if we're being real, the ones who are most likely to just bust outright are gonna be Zach Wilson and um, Zach Wilson and uh, Trey Lance. So the fact that, that the issue with Zach Wilson right now is he's just not very good at quarterbacking. Like he just he just can't throw the ball. Um, and the bigger issue though is that his team is very much upset with him and his inability to throw the ball. So like the frustration, I know that, you know, there was a lot of talk on Sunday about, you know, max frustration, but I think it's, it's nuts that every time Zach Wilson misses a pass, there's a wide receiver grabbing his hair or like throwing his helmet. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I know, I know, I know this is frustrating. Um, so I think there's a realistic chance they lose. I just, I just don't know that the Chargers do. Um, they're playing the Nick Foles Colts uh, on, what is it, on Monday night? Um, yes. I, I think that's a W for them. Um, but I don't really think L.A. is that good a team either. I think they have good players. I just don't think they're a very good team, though. I think with L.A., I could potentially see them losing in Pittsburgh just because they're that team like the Miami teams of the past. Like, you, you remember all those years when, like, New England would lose to Miami in December and then Miami has a game next week where it's, like, a must win and then they, like, lay an egg. I remember it happened yeah. after the miracle in Miami and then there was one, yep. I think it was 2014 or 13. They beat us, and they're like, they got to go up to Buffalo and win, and they lost like twenty-four to nothing in the snow. So I can yeah. see a very a similar thing happening with the um, with the Colts, like when Nick Foles gets this like miraculous win on Monday night, and then next week everyone's like, oh, the Colts, the Colts. It's like you know how the Detroit Lions last year, which obviously Detroit Lions now to what we thought at the beginning of the year, two different teams, yeah. but the Lions last year got some wins they weren't supposed to, and then everyone next year was they're the team to watch, which yeah. they was the right take. They just – we'll I'll talk about they them in a second. Yeah. yeah. I just think – I think a very similar thing for there. And then you have teams like Arizona where it's just like, what do you do? That's the thing. Because yeah. I don't like everyone using – I know – look, Kyler Torres ACL in that game. I don't want to use that as, hey, you only won because Kyler Torres. That's not, I also don't think it's a very nice thing to say either. You only won because right. this happened. You just – you take – this might come off bad. This might – I don't know. You take advantage of your situations. You know what? Sure. Stuff happens. Absolutely. It's and that's sport, what happens. The sport, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the sp- I, um, sport happens. Any given Sunday. Uh, real quick on the Cardinals, I think they should uh, just kind of move on from their um, their front office folks. Just move, you know, move on from Steve Kime. I know that whole, you know, he stepped down for for or he, you know, taking a hiatus I, or sabbatical or whatever for, for. I have a take um, on that actually. Oh, what is it? I think they're giving him his flowers like what happened to Dave Gettleman last year. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think, get you know, he game. leaves and then it's, I've yeah. agreed, to, I'm stepping down to take care of my issues. I don't think it's health. I think it's also, I think there's something else to it. Like, I don't yeah. want to go speculating, but I wouldn't be shocked. Because I know we think he had a DUI a year or two ago. So yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if it was like alcoholism or drug abuse. Obviously, we're not hoping, Absolutely. but I just can see that happening. Yeah. But I think this is a way, and also too, because for anyone out there, Kime's been with the organization since 1999. He's been the GM for almost 10 years now so i think it's just the way to like you know let him leave with his dignity and then with cliff i know everyone's saying oh patriots oc i think he does what rule does i think he goes back to college i think someone will pay him a lot of money to coach their team Uh considering Uh it's just that college desperation and that's what 
I think, and I think you he know, works best in college. I think his scheme works better in college when you can just have like the athletic, the athletic matchup, the athletic edge. Um, whereas, where yeah, where, yeah, that'd be that would be fun. Um, what really kills me with the uh, with the Cardinals is like their entire system is built on like, oh, we are better than you. So like, here's what we're we're going to dictate as an offense. Um, and that just doesn't really work in the NFL because everyone is good, right? Even the bad players are still pretty good. Um, so you can't just like, out out-athlete everyone like he did in yeah. college. Um, yeah, I think I completely agree with the whole Steve Kime thing. I think they're kind of doing him like uh, Gary Kubiak in Denver where they're like, oh, yeah, you yes. know, he's going to, you know, just going to work on some things here and then he's just going to disappear into the background. Um, really, a few teams have done that. And the only person we've ever seen come back from that was um, Howard Roseman in Philly where yes. during the Chip Kelly year, they were like, oh, yeah, you're just going to, he's going to, you know, work on some new things and he disappeared. And then they brought him back and, it, and you know, he's working out great for them. But I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think he's out. He's out of here. Uh, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury is like, probably going to go as well. Who's the guy that left left Houston because his wife had cancer, and then he? Who was their old GM before their whole shit show that just occurred? Who was it? Do you know um, what I'm talking about? No, I don't remember who that. Before Nick Casario. Before Casario. Before Casario. I do not remember who uh, who was GMing over there. Like this is during the, and I love to reference this. Um, the Letterman jacket years, you know, where they thought it'd be cool to wear Letterman jackets into Gillette and you get yeah. your ass kicked by Tom Brady on primetime. <laughs> I gotta look this up because it's killing me. Who is it? No, 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 no. Oh, while we, while we, while you look at that. Rick uh, Smith. Play- oh, okay. The person I was thinking of, um, Ted Thompson, did the same thing for him in Green Bay, where, you know, they kind of just let him off easy before they hired uh, Brian Gutekunst, but they were yes. like, "Oh yeah, you know he's going to step down and he's going to work on he's going to he's going to step down as GM, but he's still going to work within the organization." And you've not heard a peep out of him since. So I think that's kind of what they're doing over with uh, with Steve Kime. Um, as far as though that like you know what happens, we were talking about the Lions, um, the Lions being kind of risky, and the Jets having the pieces. I think all of these teams have one huge, huge advantage over the Patriots and that they have better players. Um, and that's kind of what happens when you're picking high in the draft every year. You just end up with an accumulation of, like, good players. Uh, and those teams are starting to kind of put it together. Every blind um, so, scroll finds a nut. Absolutely, absolutely. I think what's uh, interesting is, though, um, there have been a lot of debates about who has, you know, oh, who's the worst offense, the, the Bucks or the Patriots. Everyone's like, oh, obviously the Patriots, obviously the Patriots. Um, but I honestly, I, I think the Bucks may actually just be worse based on the fact that they have the talented players. So their year is infinitely more disappointing than like, it's like, all right, cool. We had Matt, you know, Matt Jones, Devontae Parker, and Nelson Aguilar here. You know, that's your, those are your two wide receivers and that's your quarterback versus Tom Brady, you know, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Uh, that team being six and eight is atrocious. <laughs> like I, you can spin it however you want, but like one of these teams has an, a DC playing OC and the other team has the, go, the greatest player to ever play the sport two really good wide receivers and a, you know, and a head coach and offensive coordinator who have been there, you know, not obviously in those same roles, but who have been there for the better part of four, four and a half years. So, yeah. Yeah. Also, too, with Tom Brady, I'm going to say this right now. I don't want to see him go ring chasing. I think he either goes back to Tampa for a fourth season or he walk, or he, he's done. I think. Sure, yeah. I yeah, agree. I think it's one of those two. I just don't. I also, just don't... I don't want to see him suck. And it yeah. kind of feels like we're heading that way. I think he's been fine this year. Um, but the elite play, like the you know elite upper level play, isn't quite there consistently. Um, so I don't want to see him start to suck. 
I don't want to see him end up, you know, on a on a bad, you know, bad Seahawks roster trying to make it happen over there. That that's just not something I really want to see. Exactly. I I think, and then when he retires too, you know, he'll have his moment in Tampa. He'll have his, apart from the obvious gold jacket, he'll have his red jacket moment. He'll get a yep. statue outside, maybe the new lighthouse that's under construction right now, which is starting <laughs> to come along. I, I've seen I've been yeah. seeing some photos that construction's looking really good. But that's that's my take on that. Um, but when I also look like I, you know, I was saying earlier the person when you come to change, when I was like, oh, yeah. Bill Belichick can just take it overhead. Do you really think Robert Kraft's going to want to sign up for another year of mediocrity? Because that's the big thing. He's not going to let Bill go, but he's got to say he's probably got to go to him after the season, saying, "Bill, we can't have this again. You got to go out there and get someone." So whether that's Robert at the Sugar Bowl, or if that's waiting for someone else, or even help the Adam Gase name has come up a bit a couple times. Yeah. Everyone's saying, "Oh, Adam Gase, but he sucks." Adam Gase worked pretty well with Peyton Manning in Denver, and also he was okay in Chicago. So if they were to do something like that, I'm not going to be pissed about it. It's basically yeah. at this point, look, anything's better than Matt Patricia when it comes yeah. to this offense. I think um, that's a really good point that you say, you know, you know, you know, Robert Kraft's going to go to him at the end of the season and tell him we can't have this again. I think, I think that conversation may have already happened. Um, we've already seen it kind of trickling out, you know, slowly that like, oh, yeah, you know, there are going to be some changes in the offseason or, you know, is Kraft going to have a say or whatever the case is? I think that conversation may have already happened. Um, I personally believe that the changes are coming. I'm just really curious as to who who is up next. I think obviously Bill O'Brien's like the you know the the big name. Everyone's like, oh yeah, bring him in, bring him in. And I would like to see that because obviously he was coordinating um, over in Alabama and he has that familiarity with Mac and he's a really good play designer. Um, even if he's not a great head coach, I think he's a really good uh, offensive coordinator, so I think he can bring him in. Um, a really rogue name, I was going to throw it out there, but I, I would like to see it personally. I think Chip Kelly would be a really interesting fit here um, because even though, as long as he's try to bring up the, the bring that the full-time hurry up like he did uh, with Philly and then like he did with that one year with um, with San Francisco, I think yep. he's also, he also has a really good knack for play designs. He gets really crafty with them. Um, so I'd like to kind of, I'd like to kind of see that, but I think in truth, we're going to end up with someone really random who's going to be perfectly fine at the job, but it's going to be someone that we're not, we're not thinking of right now. I think there are a lot of really hot names. I think this past year though, um, a name that I had wanted, just really low key. I really wanted Kevin O'Connell before he uh, landed in Minnesota. I, uh, that was a name I was like, yeah, I, I want to see that happen, but obviously didn't, but I think it's going to be someone that isn't on everyone's radar right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's like, let that time come, let the time go, you know, where it's like, hey, someone's going to be brought on, someone's going to come do the job. I can see them going, because it's Belichick, to go completely left field, except for night yep. one of the draft. Folks, four months from now, get mad when he does trade the, the night one pick when he trades back. <laughs> but, look, yeah. it is what it is. We're here for the ride. Even on Sunday, too. That's the worst part about Sunday's game was that I had, like, a family Christmas thing going on, and so to – go through that with people who aren't really football people around. Yeah. That was the worst part. And the worst part too, is someone coming downstairs being like, Oh, you're not a box fan or anything like that. I'm like, Nope. I, Cause for years and years, I got the crap criticism of, Oh, are you going to jump ship? Are you going to, you're only here for yeah. Tom. So you know what? I'm here and I'm still going to be here because you earn your stripes when the team is not good. That's the thing. Yeah. 
For sure. You earn your stripes. I know for you it's different. I know for you it's different. You're a Bostonian and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, so regionally. Yeah, 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 for sure. But for someone like me, it I earn my stripes as a fan right now. The more, And also, that's another bad, the good and bad thing is that I've been more in tune with these teams over the last three years because of this podcast platform because I yeah. started it at the beginning of 2020, So, which kind of a good time for that. But yeah. um, with everything to do with that, I just feel like, you know what, hey, I've been here. I don't want to jump ship because it's really easy to do that. It is what it is. Um, before we go, there's a couple other things I want to get into. I was going to mention some bets. Two things. One, have you heard about what happened in Kansas City recently? No, what happened in Kansas City? Well, it's not in Kansas City, but a Kansas City Chiefs fan was on his way to the game in Houston. Oh, my gosh. The dude with the robbing of the bank. Him? The Chiefs-aholic, yes. Yeah, holy cow. That was a wild story. I did, okay, so someone I was reading, someone said he robbed it in, in the first. There's no way that's real, right? Um... I've seen. I, I got to look because there there is footage. I got a stupid fingers. Holic. Because there's images of the dude. Like, where is it? Where is it? So, there's basically here's this photo of him right here. This is yeah. him going there. Ignore the. And then there's. Photos of a dude, and then there's like it's a really grainy security camera photo. But then there's photos of this, <laughs> no way. of this dude robbing a bank in Bixby, Oklahoma, where it's it's completely wild. Like even here's another angle of it right there. That's insane. And this dude was going on about like apparently flexing <laughs> about making large wagers on bets, buying expensive things, going to like these Patrick Mahomes charity galas that apparently cost a lot of money to get into. So yeah. I was thinking, oh, probably, oh, you know, oh, a dedicated Chiefs fan. And people were concerned when he didn't show up. But no, it turns out right now he's being held in a county jail somewhere in Oklahoma on $200,000 <laughs> bond. I even found the I even found the rap sheet for the guy. And, uh, oh, my God, I got to look it up. This is an insane story. Yeah, it's just – Oh, right here. Um, like even a tweet from someone saying, I guess you never really know what a person is like. Chiefs Chiefsaholic letting Chiefs Kingdom down. He won't be wearing that wolf costume for a long time, a different uniform now. But I'm pretty sure with the charges, it came along with like art robbery with like a costume and some other stuff. So he... So he, <laughs> the, the idiot, on his way to the game in Houston Sunday, makes a pit stop in Oklahoma to go rob a bank. I mean, hey, it, it was on his way, I guess. It was, you know, the GPS told him, hey, pull over here, rob the bank, and you're good. That's yeah. insane. What a story. <laughs> and speaking of what a story, have you seen the video of what happened at the Raiders game, Raiders-Patriots game Sunday? I did see that. I did. That was frustrating. I got to give a shout out because they found him on Twitter. But, uh they found him on Twitter at D U G G I E Dougie four ninety. Yeah. That is the fan. His name is Jerry Edmond. He said he did not want to ruin his first NFL game experience. There have yeah. been multiple Raider fans to come out and say that we don't behave like that. Which for the Raiders who have a notorious, how do we put this polite way, violent past for ways to <laughs> interactions with fans. 
Yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying that because in Oakland, Oakland's been kind of known as a place where you do not go. You you wouldn't right. go as a visiting fan. You've heard reports of like fights and like. I mean, they call getting... the stadium the black hole for multiple reasons. Like exactly. Yeah. But it seems like ever since they moved to Vegas, that's cleaned up a lot. And I think that has to do with the fact that they expect, hey, a lot of away fans are going to come because you are in a tourist destination city. Absolutely. No offense to Oakland, yep. California, but you're in Vegas, and there were thousands of Patriots fans at that game. And for and I know – and that's the other thing, too, I want to say. When I, like, I was in Foxborough, I didn't see a single dumb incident go down. I saw yeah. hundreds of Lions fans. Not one thing was said. No one did anything. It was just everyone was there to enjoy the game. And so, look, that's my how I take it with Boston fans. I've never seen a bad one. Every every yeah. fan base has bad eggs. Oh, absolutely. But, absolutely. But for him, though, to not do anything, because in that moment, you just witness something horrible happen and someone's rubbing their yeah. face in it. That's something that could have gone very south very quickly. So, Jerry, just wanted that to give you a quick shout-out. I mean, because yeah, that's, and that's his first ever NFL game, too. Yeah, that's, that, and that's a tough game, especially I mean, just how it ended. So then, I mean, I'd already be pissed in the first place. To so then have someone yelling, I, I mean, he's he's a better man than a lot of us. Because uh, I'm not gonna lie, I, I, I wouldn't have hit because I'm yeah, I'm mostly not violent, but uh, I would have had some words. I, I would have definitely gotten back in her face and all that, just because I know like emotionally what I was feeling on my couch on Sunday. I can only imagine being in the stadium with someone chirping in my ear like that. Ah, that's that's crazy, Jerry. You're a good man because holy cow, you're better than me. Exactly, exactly. And a uh, quick little note I'm going to give here, folks, for this weekend. Obviously, usually I go over every game. We're not going to do that here because, obviously, of uh, timing and everything. And I know McGarvin's not a big gambling guy. Fade these picks if you want because my picks have sucked lately. And those are as follows. That's Seattle plus 9.5 because the Chiefs cannot cover at home. They're 3-10-1 against the spread all here. Also, I like the Saints at plus 3 against Cleveland. I trust their defensive shot with Sean Watson. And the other one that I like is – Minnesota at minus three and a half. I think the Giants have a letdown spot after an emotional divisional win. I know the Colts had – the Vikings had the win they had, but I think the way the Giants won, I could see them, you know, having a letdown game and then have that, like, pressure of, like, oh, you have to win to get in. Because with the Vikings, they're pretty much in. They've solidified themselves. They got their hat yep. and T-shirt. So I wouldn't be shocked here to see – I also can't see Daniel Jones doing it two games in a row where he goes in and just, like, wins the game on his own, even though – Shout out to Kayvon Thibodeau, who's going to be a stud in this league for many years he to come. He is very good. He is yeah. very good. He is very good. But I just, I just think that happens. I can see them, see the, uh, see the Giants having a bit of a down day. And I said this, and I believe this more now. Bet the Raiders. Bet the Raiders. Bet the Steelers to win because of the Franco Harris stuff, because yep. of the retro throwback, and because look, this is a game where the, this is a classic Raider letdown spot. You know. Absolutely. They just got that crazy win. win. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We, and this week, know, it's uh, all about it's all about Pittsburgh. I even saw something today where the Raiders released their side of it. I feel like the Raiders have been on the bad side of history so many times that for them, yeah. you know what? We'll let them have this moment in the sun where you had your sure. one good moment. Sure. But if you look at like the immaculate reception, if you look at the the talk rule, even though they they say. I saw a bunch of stuff from them saying F the tuck and everything like that. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Hey, his arm was going forward. Arm was going forward. <laughs> <laughs> it was an incomplete pass. Incomplete pass. No, he definitely fumbled that. Um, the most surprising thing you just said, though, the Seahawks are plus nine. I know that – I know Kansas City is Kansas City, but they have not been like some – like they've not been a buzzsaw. They've not been cutting teams down. All their games have been significantly closer than they had any right to be. So I think the fact that – their minus nine against the Seahawks is insane to me. 
I think it's just a lot of people thinking that like they're gonna eventually figure it out and kick someone's ass. But, but it's week sixteen. Yeah, like, and they would have done it by like their only big exactly. wins this year was the one San Francisco game. Yep. And then there was the one game against Arizona week one where they basically dominated. But then ever since CHE has been out, they've been kind of they've been relatively quiet. And yeah. the other thing I'll say about them, if you think that Kelsey is better than Gronk, no. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think Kelsey's very good. I, I do think, you know, he's he's a very good a very good player. Um he's an elite player. Uh he's not Gronk. Like let's yeah. let's be real. If you need to go back and rewatch Gronk, then go ahead and do that, but just stop it. Um, a recent game where that happened was 2017 against the, the aforementioned Pittsburgh Steelers. Go watch that game. And also, too, I've been seeing this guy on Twitter. I don't know if you've ever seen him. Scott, it's Scott, like, something. He basically is he's a he's on the Pro Football Writers Association. He's from Pittsburgh. But basically all he'll do is you can tell he hates the Patriots because he comes up with, like, different ways of, like, oh, like, the Brady wouldn't have won these games if this had happened. And the one that he did that I wanted to point out. Oh, Scott, Scott Kasmar? Yeah, Scott Kasmar. Yeah, oh. him. Holy cow, that guy, that guy hates the Patriots. It's yeah. personal. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so the one he said about, because it was the 2011 AFC Championship game, you know, the Lee Evans drop pass, and then he's like, oh, the, the Patriots won because Cundiff missed. Yeah. Cundiff makes that kick. The game goes no overtime, so we don't Over know what time. happens. Patriots, yep. that's the thing. If that wasn't a that wasn't a must-win game. That was a that was, an, that was like it was like Sunday. You know what? Hey, they're down by three. Oh, actually, no, it's not like Sunday. They're down by three. I thought for sure. We're going to overtime. Yep. He missed the field goal and I'm like, holy shit, we're going to the Super Bowl. Yes, that was that was an exciting time. <laughs> that was. That was. Yeah. But anyway, to you and yours, Merry Christmas. Happy Merry holidays. Christmas. Absolutely. This has been episode number 201. We got a lot off our chests. It's gonna be oh. you know, this is gonna be a big off. I hate to say this already because there are three games left, but this offseason the year's there's done. a the year is done. There's this off season is going to be a big one for the Patriots. We'll be here all off season long, whether it's McGarvin, whether it's other people. Shout out newest Patriots guest reporter Kyrie Thompson from WEI, who was on. He is phenomenal. Love him. Love Go back him. and listen. He was on oh, right man. the day before the Bills and Patriots game. He came yeah. on. We sp- we chatted it up for a bit. He was he had great insight, great reports. Yep. This but is going to be an exciting off season. Yes. Ignore the people. Ignore all the crazy takes, like the Felger takes. Yep. Pay attention to the people that are in the facility on a daily basis. That's yep. what I want to sure. say about that. Like the Mike Reeses, like the Zach Coxes, like the the two guests who have been on here, whether it be Kyrie, whether it be Keegan Stiefel. Those are the guys you want to follow for your offseason coverage. But anyway, folks, two hundred one in the bag. Next week we're on to week seventeen. We're on to the college football playoff. It's going to be an exciting we are episode. On to Cincinnati. But what we, we're on to. McGarvin and I, are, for now, we're on to Cincinnati. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Enjoy week 16. Because why? Because regular season only has three weeks left. We're almost there. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. 
do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.